Hello everyone. Before we jump into today's conversation, I just want to take a second to say that registration for the first ever Coaches Road Conference coming up in December is now open. Uh, you can check out our websites for details on how to register for the event. Again, the event is going to take place December 2nd, December 9th, and December 16th. So go register now to not miss out on your chance to hear from Dr. Wade Gilbert, Tommy Niemela, Sala Oss, and many more excellent speakers from Finland and around the world. Uh, and yeah, thanks. Let's jump into today's conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Road podcast. Today, we are joined by the founder of Working with Parents in Sport, um, Gordon McClelland. And Rick, I mean, the, the title of his company is, is the reason we got him on the show, um, working with parents in sport. It's something that I think every coach has to learn how to do, has to learn how to have effective communication, learn how to, how to deal with conflicts when they arise and everything like that. There's a lot that goes into working with parents in sport. And it's an important topic because at the end of the day, the, the kids we coach, the kids we work with, um, they're cared about just as much, if not way more by their parents. So working with them effectively for the betterment of the athlete and the betterment of the athlete's experiences is, is crucial. And I think we got some really good tips and some really good yeah. uh, information and some really good ideas from Gordon today. And it was, it was a really fun chat, I think, and really informative. Yeah, 100% agreed. And something I would like to add is that I think very often, as Gordon also mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we focus so often on the negative side of working with parents. But instead of that, from a coaching perspective, we should actually much more focus on a on what are actually the positive actions I can take as a coach to enhance the relationships with the parents. So I think this is a very crucial point so that we're really focusing on the positive things about our coaching, not just saying the parents, um, they are very negative and they are basically in our way to coach the kids because at the end of the day, they drive the kids to the ring, to the football field, um, to the handball court, to the floorball pitch, whatever. So I think that's why this is very um, essential. And speaking about Gordon, you can definitely say that um, he has a lot of experience in working with parents. And I think also, especially when you start coaching, you're not so conscious about the topic, but the more experience you get, you realize how much more essential it is. And that's why I'm super excited that we get um, someone on like Gordon who has gained a lot of insights about how to work effectively with parents. So um, we hope that everyone who is listening right now will enjoy the episode as much as we did with Gordon. So now we would like to welcome on Gordon McClelland. Gordon, first of all, thanks for taking the time and joining us here today. How is everything going in the UK for you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Delighted to uh, delighted to join you. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure. And, um, you have been working a lot with parents in the past, and um, you also started the website working with parents in sports uh, UK, I think, if I remember correctly. And um, this this is a very interesting project, and it's a very essential topic because at the end of the day um the parents they're a very essential part of the development of the children so but before we go into more other 
parenting things and all these kind of things how we can utilize this in our coaching could you please um just describe us describe to us how this everything started the website and why 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 you did it yeah so i mean it's quite an odd story really so i my background's in coaching and education so i've been involved in that sector for 25 years and i did my coaching career very differently to everybody else's so i was highly qualified at a, a young age in in the sport of rugby and i was coaching men's rugby and adult sport at 24 And then I actually went the other way. So I spent some time with elite under 18s. I coached a couple of national title winning under 13 rugby seven sides and actually ended up in the latter part of my career coaching sort of under sevens and under nines, which gave me just as much joy as anything else that had gone before it. And actually what, what set up, why working with parents in sport was set up was a bit, I became a parent myself. And I started taking my own children out into the, the sporting world and, um, I was sat in a, a local village hall in England. My son was three and he was kicking a football around. And I was approached by a football scout from a, a Premier League football club. And it was all a bit weird. And of course, I did what any parent would do. I got outside. I was desperate to think about putting it on social media, ring my wife, ring my family. How cool's this? You know, my son's three, you know, in a Premier League football club have come to talk to me. And then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, Gordon, he is three. You've got a background in coaching, sports, science and education. What on earth are you thinking? So I then started to look at, I guess, support that was given to parents just around the world. And I was like, oh, goodness, what do you do with a four-year-old? What do you do with a five-year-old? You know, where do people go to, you know, positively support their, their children? And there were pockets of work and there was stuff on different sites. But I never, I, I just, it was there. But it just didn't appeal to me. Just as a sort of normal working class guy, it just did not appeal to me that this information was relevant and I could really relate to it. It was too hard work. So I wanted to create something that everybody could relate to, not necessarily agree with, but everybody could reflect and relate to, and then think about the best way of, of supporting, you know, their kids. And that's how the whole thing grew and evolved into, into what it is today. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's a really interesting project, and 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 I have I've been on your website a lot of times, and I actually found out about your your project through Stuart Armstrong's podcast, and and I think it's been it was really impactful for me, and and how kind of I run my my parent meetings and and things like that early on in my in my coaching career, and and trying to get the parents involved in maybe a more positive way and everything like that for those for those few that maybe weren't, um, but it, you know to start with. I think it's really important to to kind of outline well what what makes a good sports parent right like there's so many ideas out there there's so many you know like three-year-olds that are turned into professional athletes and, and everything like that so so in your eyes and, and in, in your project and the work you've done with that what have you found that makes a good sports parent yeah how, how long have we got look <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I I think I think the reality of it is that we can try and be as good as we want, but we're never going to be perfect. And I think there has to be an understanding of that. And, you know, parents do things for the children out of sheer love for their kids and wanting what's best for them on the, on the whole, that's what, 
that's what we see. Um, and I think if people, I think if any parent commits time, money, uh, energy into sport, I think they're doing a pretty good job before they've even started. You know, when we look around the world at the, the some of the obesity crisis and some of the stories we hear, if we're getting children involved in physical activity for all the benefits that we know it can bring, then I think that's a really good start. But I, I think what's missing then perhaps for a lot of parents who maybe don't have uh, sporting backgrounds is that is that element of support. And, and I think that particularly in the early stages of the, the sporting journey, we have to be really careful with our perspective and uh, our expectations about, you know, what are we trying to achieve by, by doing this? Um, you know, we, we, we're in such a rush to, I guess, bring the professional game or things that we see on the TV back into, into children's sport, or we want the children's sport to look like the adult sport that we perhaps think that is the, the sort of success criteria of anything that we're involved in, yet we all know the youth sports space is a very different space to, to the adult game or even the teenage game. So I think expectations about why we're doing it, what we're hoping our children achieve. And one of the things I say to all parents, and it's interesting when you have dialogue around this, is that nobody ever tells you they want a professional sports person or an Olympic athlete or a world record holder when you ask them about, you know, what are you hoping your child's going to achieve? You know, nine times out of 10, parents will say to you, oh, well, I'm hoping he's going to be a good team player. I'm hoping he's going to develop some resilience. I'm hoping he's going to be able to communicate well with other people. I hope he's going to have good self-esteem and all these things. The trouble is that's absolutely right. And that's the way to look at it. But our behaviours never match to that. It's really odd. That's what we say we want. But then the emphasis is on, well, did we win? You know, did we score? Were we the best player? How are we comparing to other people? Is my child going to be picked into the best programmes where, you know, we know the best seven-year-olds don't make the best 11-year-olds, the best 11-year-olds don't make the best 15-year-olds. And we only have to look at sport when you get into, you know, even world junior athletics, let's say, that the transition from, you know, world junior champions into full full Olympic athletes or success in the adult game is, is, is really, really low. So... I think it's it's about managing those expectations and and perspective is a is a really important thing and and taking the time I guess to inform yourself about you know what your role is um, you know as a sports parent um, I think at a young age I think at a young age we have a far greater impact as parents you know our, we're the ultimate role models our kids listen to us they take the lead from us. We can almost sort of shove them, shape them into whatever we want them to do. But we also know that later on, when they start to make their own choices, we know that children who stay in sport, it's because they're intrinsically motivated or they have been given that opportunity to develop their own autonomy around the experience and make their own decisions. And I think that's something we've got to be aware of in the in the early stages that Ultimately, no matter how much we push, no matter what we put in place, no matter what what we say, the success really is going to be, will our children stay in sport and physical activity for life? And the reality is they will only do that if they're enjoying it 
and they've got a decision in the in the process of what's going on for them and they feel connected and part of a program which is you know dropping into your, your self-determination theory and and things like that but i don't like getting too scientific with people try and keep it real yeah yeah i think it's it's really because i think it's really easy for for coaches to go negative with with parents that are kind of um you know maybe just misinformed or, or not really doesn't really have that support that is there for them so you know how and i think you know especially on on coaching twitter right i, I follow your page there was an, a video the other day of, of a fight breaking out in under 13 game or something like that and there's a lot of stuff out there about negative sports parents do you do you really see it that way or do you see it more as this idea that they they just maybe they don't have that support they don't have that information yet they don't know the maybe the impact that they're actually having on their child. Well, I, I think you've touched on a couple of things then. Um, just people that are listening, please don't think we're a site that shows the worst of sports parents. That's, that's part of our, I guess, our rounded approach to uh, keeping people in the loop. But, but as you say, the traditional thing is that parents are a problem. Whenever we look at the media, we always pick the worst case scenario. So that fight that somebody shared with me, actually, it's amazing what people share with me. For, I think it was from a, uh, an Irish sporting under 15 game where, you know, the parents fought on the side to the incident in the UK a couple of years ago where the dad came on and pushed the goalkeeper back into goal and then he conceded a goal while that was all happening and, and, and things like that. And they go viral. And the media portray on that. And then we pick on, oh, it's parents causing the problem again. And whenever you talk to coaches or teachers, we can all tell you about the worst parents we've had. Oh, my goodness, I could, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll open a bottle of red and we'll, we'll talk all night. I could pick one a year for the, for the last 20 years and tell you some absolutely amazing stories, which other coaches will be like, wow, that's just incredible, isn't it? And we'd have a good chat about it. <laughs> problem is we, we neglect the fact that on the whole about 80 percent of them actually in amazing during those sporting programs and 80 percent of them would love a bit of extra support to sort of be helped to do uh, the best things in the best interests of their kids and i and i think it's them that the that you know we've got shift in perspective from coaches that if parents are the most influential on the whole in children's lives and are the greatest role models and have the greatest impact on how their kids speak, see the world, have all those things attached to it, then in the process. We want to be working together ultimately with the child at the heart of the experience. Well, we can only do that if the most important person I use the 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 athletic triangle again but it's a, a rehashed version of it because obviously people put that up and say this is how it should be but they never discuss the fact that all the sides are fractured and broken and going off in all kinds of different directions but the reality is that that triangle should have the parents at the top because of the influence that they have the child at the center of the experience because ultimately or the athlete that's the person that we're looking after here because they're the ones we want to do well and then the coaches and clubs working around that to join up that that kind of visual or that kind of triangle and i i, I do i 
I think there is that. It, there's got to be that shift in perspective. Now, in the real world, in the real world, the older generation, and I'm, I'm being really general there, so that's probably a bit unfair. But let's say there's an awful lot of old school coaches who you talk to in, in organisations who want nothing to do with parents, who basically have grown up in that culture of, no, you stay well out of the way. I don't want you interfering. This is my area. This is my domain. This is what I'm doing. You've then at the other end got young coaches who do coaching qualifications, but nobody tells them they're then going to have 10 people baying for blood while they're coaching their programs on the side of a side of a field or the side of a rink. And that must be really challenging. I mean, I only got better at talking to parents as I got older and got more experienced running sports programs in schools. I certainly wasn't equipped to deal with it in my early 20s. Um, and I think those those levels of support are really important. So that's what you've got in the real. Then you've got a good middle who are moving with the times, people recognising the importance, people doing it again in the, in the coaching workforce. Um, but when you look at the media now, and you look at the stories we're getting from sports, and this isn't scaremongering in any way, I just can't see in the next 10, 15 years how it's going to be acceptable to have programmes where athletes and coaches go one way, parents go the other, and then there's some form of barrier between them. I, I, I mean, whether or not whether or not that's right or not, that isn't healthy anyway. So we, we've got to shift that that perspective of 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 culture, but but. I do get why coaches fear that type of dialogue because as a coach, I don't want a parent hovering over my session. I don't want a parent interfering with some of the coaching aspects of it or involving them in a way that, that I think thinks negative. So we've got to find ways of bringing them into the programs whilst keeping that distance when it comes to the actual coaching technical tactical but leaving that space for conversations if anybody's got questions or or dialogues but but we all feel joined up together and we're all working towards a common goal yeah re recently uh, like or not recently on on you know, last weekend i had a book at your um i had a look at your ebook which is called i think engage yeah and there you speak about building positive relationships with the parents and um one one sentence that I kept in my mind was now there was written that at the end of the day, we as coaches, we also need to remember that um, the parents they have all the rights to know what kind of activities their children pursue because at the end of the day, it's their, it's their children and they have the all the right really to know what is happening with their children, when, where, what, how all these kind of things. And um, also you mentioned previously now that um, very often it's like that that scenario that we as coaches or coaches in general, they say they don't want to work um, with the parents together. And then you also mentioned the triangle and I had a look at this also. That's basically the relationship between the coaches, um, between the parents and between the athletes, all, the, all these three things. And But where I want to get at is that actually that there are so many things we as coaches should display in order to develop positive relationships to the parents, which lead actually to a better experience for, for the children. So my question here is that how 
can we actually involve the parents in a healthy way right from the beginning? Yeah, I, th I think all, all of these things are underpinned by amazing communication, aren't they? And, 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 you know, our work doesn't just look at the coach role because actually, if we're being really honest about this, we're, we're landing a load of stuff on coaches here, but actually coaches should just be gatekeepers of a wider culture. There should be a positive parent culture in place from the sporting organisation or national governing body, which lots of them are now looking at and embracing. And the coaches are actually merely gatekeepers of those cultures and philosophies. Now, we're not talking coaching styles here. We're talking about what the underlying messages and values of that organisation uh, may be. And then because the coaches are probably closest to the parents, They've then got to display those on a regular basis through how they coach in terms of what they've said the program looks like, what they're celebrating as a coach during sessions. You know, if we're saying we're about developing people holistically and physically, if all we ever talk about is who scored the most goals or who won the most games, then the parents are like, oh, well, you told us we were about developing people, but actually what they still really value is still just the winning and the scoring. So we've got to make sure that those those key elements, you, you know, your things like your, your determination, your resilience, your creativity, your adaptability, your self-organization, all those skills that we can see as coaches, we need to be valuing those and picking those out. And in our dialogues, we need to be saying to parents, you know, I loved his determination today. I loved his resilience because we're trying to get them to understand that there is a large part around process here rather than the actual outcome. And I think we've got to model that in amongst all the things that we would normally do, you know, as coaches. But when you go back to this communication thing, I think that, that there's a couple of quick wins, you know, actually acknowledging somebody's a good start. Saying good afternoon, good morning, good evening, which I know sounds really silly. And, you know, I'm not going to make millions on telling people to be courteous to people. But it's amazing how often it's missed. And one of the alarming things for me in a workshop I did in a, a program with parents um, before COVID was one of them turned to me and actually said, you know what, Gordon said, for all the stuff and everything that goes on, I just wish somebody had thanked me once in a while. Just actually said, that's all I want. I want somebody to say thank you for bringing them. When I think of the time and the impact it's having on me, do you know what? I would take that. And, and I think that sort of general courtesy, what we taught, the, the acknowledgement of it, you know, as we're walking off fields, we can easily, we don't want to spend an hour talking about little Johnny at that point in time, because we haven't got an hour to talk about little Johnny. We're too busy as, as coaches. But Kansai thought I had a great session today, showed some real creativity or showed some real resilience. Or show, it takes 10 seconds as you walk in the kit back and you've had a relationship and built a relationship with that person or you're talking. The stuff around parents' meetings, I think are really valuable. Um, and I think that well thought out parents' meetings that give parents a voice, that are friendly, that create that environment where parents feel empowered to ask questions, but you establish your cultures, philosophies, values, what your communication strategy may look like in terms of, you know, if somebody's upset, how you want them to approach that, or if they're, if they're angry about something, or, you know, what's that going to look like in a week? When are you available for a discussion? Because, you know, lots of coaches are volunteers as well. They shouldn't be being disturbed on a Sunday evening to talk about people's co uh, uh, co uh, players sorry, their children's, you know, sport when they're at home with families. So I think we've got to be really clear, but we've got to provide that opportunity for 
dialogue to take place. And one of the other things we've tried to do, particularly with younger people, I would say, is involve parents more in sort of games around the sporting experience. So <clears throat> the use of, you know, games of bingo where parents once in a while are given a sheet with nine different skills on either for the team or for their child. And you say to the parents, look, can you keep an eye on this for me today? And can you ring them off um, if you see your child do them? Because actually what you're doing is you're trying to get parents to understand that there is far more to this experience than what the scoreboard says. And actually that allows them to focus on that. That allows them to start looking for um, other things. Um, you know, coming into your end of team talk or end of training session talk where you can talk about some of the things that have gone on or they can stand behind the kids where they can then pick up those conversations for example to have in the car on the way home about what has been talked about what we're doing next week what was good what worked what didn't work and they're actually armed with some information rather than just joining up their own dots and and basically making it up and doing it how they see the sporting world themselves, which can often conflict what coaches are doing as well. So, you know, I mean, just even talking now, how much are we on trying to unravel? It's, it's, uh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that idea of the skills bingo. And, and I think I might, uh, might try that here in the, in the next couple of weeks. I don't know how my, my parents will, will adapt to it, but it'll be interesting to see what they, what they pick up and, and what they crop off that list and, and everything like that. So I'm excited to try that. Um, I have a question because you mentioned earlier about the, the young coaches, right? And, and they go through those certifications, those online, uh, you know, there's some online courses for coaching, in-person courses, all, all these uh, coach education things, but then no one, as you said, prepares them to, to talk with the parents or deal with the parents or anything like that. So what can we do to support young coaches when they start out and they start working with you know young athletes and, and young families and everything like that in in terms of you know just preparing them with the parents and how they should interact and creating positive relationships with them and everything like that yeah i, I mean look I th for me the you know the work we do and rick got bought the engage but you know i think that things like that and programs like that should be embedded into level one coach education they don't have to take up a huge amount of time but i think it's really important and you know lots of those strands are about being you know incredibly self-aware about parents older than you what they want for their child having a positive perspective on what parents are, are bringing to the experience but we also do need support in things like setting up parents meetings setting up communication policies setting up if things go wrong and we're in a disagreement about how we perhaps handle those situations so a little bit around i guess conflict resolution and and ways of of steering conversations in a way where we can find a positive outcome for everybody to to move forward um i think there should also be support from seniority I, I, I strongly believe this. Uh, some people find that element of coaching incredibly hard, um, young people. Some people do really just want to coach. But, you know, I think coaching's gone way beyond that now. Coaching's a far more multifaceted skill than it, than it ever was, you know, now. There's so many different things that have been brought into it to to think about but we have got to provide training just like any other you know technical tactical bit 
we've got to provide some guidance, some thought processes. And basically, they're just underpinning what you do. I mean, you'll be creative, I'm sure, and you'll go off and take elements of what we talk about and you'll go and apply them in your environment. You know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution to this, but we've got to be having those those conversations and providing some support on how we work positively with parents. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because that was one thing that was really um... – it was really missing for me at the beginning of my coaching is, is you know, the, the parent aspect. And, and I had a, a, a nice, um, a, a, I would say a really good mentor in my, my first club that she gave me, you know, the agenda of, of dealing or like of what to explain in the parent meeting and everything like that. And, and she gave me some communication policies and everything. Um, and then she was in the room with me, but she let me run it. And then afterwards we, we talked about what different things that came up and everything like that and um it was it was pretty good there but then you know going into the season and as those relationships with the parents developed and everything like that and other problems came up it's really challenging and i think for a lot of young coaches it's really demotivating if they don't have any support as well so i think it's, it's quite important to to establish that support network for coaches in that sense and everything like that and um i i want to move here a little bit to to kind of a, another topic and, and, and talk about the, the pressure that's put on young athletes um, from, from, you know, whatever source, whether it's parents pressuring for outcomes or coaches pressuring for outcomes or anything like that. There's one specific thing I want to talk about here, like the, the car ride home, because I think that's um, a really important aspect when we think about how much parents can influence their, their kids and their sporting experience. And I think there's a lot of, like good short videos now about those kind of um, experiences for kids. But can you talk about, well, just kind of overall, maybe how parents can take the pressure off the kids, but then maybe a little bit more specifically about that, that car ride home and the impact that that can have. Yeah, of course. I'm probably not the person to talk to because I often say in my parents' workshops that I could have done with going in rehab for my early car journeys home as a sports parent. I do have to say, I do, I, I do have to say out of the whole sports parenting piece for me, it was the most challenging. Uh, that, and I have had to work really hard at it and I still have to work really hard at it. And I've probably tried four or five different things. And actually now I do have to say that our car journeys are a brilliant places to be, but it's taken a while to get there. Uh, probably the last couple of years I have done with my son. Uh, my my younger daughter was actually a lot easier uh, for the car journey home because she'd obviously been around a lot while we were taking our son, who's a little bit older, to the sport, and she'd watched and she joined in and she'd listened. Uh, and I sort of said to her, I said, oh, you know, Dad's taking you to your sport tonight. Are you excited about that? And she said, yes, Dad, but there'll be no car bossing. And it's like, oh, no, no, I didn't need to hear that as a dad. That's an absolute nightmare. So she basically told me that, yeah, we're going to enjoy our sport, dad, but this is how it's going to be. You're not going to be doing that element of it. So, you know, we mess around now and play around with TikTok and music and, and let her chat away and do what she wants. And, you know, she is only nine. But it the, the car journey is a nightmare. Um, I think that for me, and, and this is what we sort of talk through with parents, it's a real danger area because children naturally want to please coaches, parents, teammates, and they're outperforming and it takes an awful lot out of them. 
it's emotionally challenging as a parent watching your kid compete or perform, whether we're in a concert or sport as well, because you're just praying that everything goes all right and you live every ball and you live every, you know, hit of the puck or whatever it may be. You're involved in the experience. You get to the end of the game and it's like, oh, you're absolutely exhausted, you know, mentally from the, from the experience and emotionally, but so are children. And if you thought about put that into any other walk of life about us feeling like that, we wouldn't be trying to have productive conversations at that stage. We wouldn't do it in any other walk of life. Yet we get the car journey home and we put ourselves back into there and then we start picking the bones out of, out of the sport. Now, the car journey home can be a really valuable time for parents and the kids, particularly when media and technology has taken over like it has. And actually, it's a really valuable time that you can actually spend with your kid and actually get something out of them other than a grunt, particularly as they as they get older. So my, my advice for parents around it is that I think if we're going to ask questions about it, we need to be asking questions that allow the kids to reflect on their own experiences, really open questions that that is basically letting them um, express how they see the world. And it requires patience from us because it will often be very different to how we perhaps perceive or, or have seen things. Um, you know, and letting the child lead the conversation, you know, is a really good bit of advice. The problem for some of us, including me, is that if we did that, I wouldn't hear from my kid for six months about the sport. You know, he, he met Stephen Gerrard, who's my absolute icon when he was playing uh, academy football and met him at, at Liverpool, playing against Liverpool. He told me three months later on Christmas Day. So there was absolutely, you know, it, it just wasn't, it just didn't, it wasn't that bothered. I mean, it was cool, but he didn't feel the need to to tell me all about it, you know, and, and spoken to him outside the changing room. So it, it, it's an odd one. And I think that, it's also, when we look at pure parenting and child development, it's a real danger area because if things have gone wrong, our natural reaction as a parent is to make an excuse for our kids to make them feel better. It is to blame other people. It's to blame the coach, blame the official, blame other players, blame other teammates. Uh, we try to fix the pain that the child may be thing by perhaps offering them rewards to make the world better. Now, the problem is that every parent will also tell you that I want my child to be really resilient. Well, we've just done three things there without, without even realising that are not going to help develop resilience. Because actually, when it goes wrong for children, A, they don't stew on as long as adult adults do and they come back to us anyway that actually perfect because as long as and, and everything else we don't need to fill that silence but we're, we're so uncomfortable as parents see our children disappointed which is one of the things parents ask for lots of support with you know when we do workshops is We've just got to let that ride out because actually that's such an important part of child development, dealing with disappointment and managing it and moving on and, and reacting to it. But we've, we've become in such to take that pain away or solve the problem that actually the car journey home is a time where that's absolutely, absolutely rife for that to, 
for that to happen. Now, we've talked about positive ways of, of dealing with it. Obviously, as you say, the videos that we've seen that raise awareness is we've just got to make sure that we don't get our kids off the, the sports arenas and then just start blasting them for what they've done because we've micromanaged and analysed every single movement. It doesn't look like what we watch on the telly at the weekend. It's not what we were expecting. We've criticised every option of it and we want an explanation from them as to as to what's gone on. Well, actually, do you know what? They're not robots. You know, they're human beings. And if we take a step back and think about how we performed in sport, it certainly wasn't at the peak every week, no matter how good we, we may have been. It was up and down. It was it, it was slightly awkward at times. It You, you know, it, it's you're never going to get a, a lovely sort of trip to Hollywood with everything working beautifully for you. It's, it, it doesn't exist. And I think, again, making parents aware of that's important. I think in painting the picture of what the sporting journey looks like, we've got to prepare them a little bit for being disappointed because it'll be there. You're going you're to have it at some point. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a few things there for people to think about. But ultimately, you do what works for you. You know, it's your car. You know your kids better than anybody else. It's your environment. But I think there are some things we can be aware of and, and think about around it. And, you know, people will have different, different strategies all over the world, I'm sure, for how they manage those situations. Well, it's, you mentioned one sentence that caught my attention a lot now. You mentioned basically that, um, that our natural reflect, reflects um, our, our natural reaction. That's the better word. Our natural reaction is to protect our children when we have them um to make them feel better and to save them from the disappointment basically um i like in some ways you can definitely connect to this because maybe sometimes your parents did the same to you when you were a child um and that's why this is this is very essential but um how do we actually can shift the mindset from parents that hey this actually reaction this natural reaction does not help your children to develop actually resiliency um learning attitude and perseverance what actually the parents want to get out of the sport so actually they display a behavior which doesn't lead to a positive behavior outcome i mean you you'll be amazed we're having this conversation this morning there will be an awful lot of parents around the world who have never even thought about that They could listen to that little block of speech and think, oh, my goodness, that's so obvious. <laughs> and they would because and, 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 and you're able to and, and I'm able to support that in workshops because lots of them will say to me when I've done that question around what you're wanting your child to get. And everybody says, oh, I want a resilient kid. Okay, brilliant. Great answer. Now we need to look at how we can help create resilient children. So. I think there's a piece around that. I think there's also a piece around the fact that there is going to be failure, there is going to be disappointment, how we help our children bounce back from that and providing parents on how we can build confidence and the type of conversations, the type of dialogues that we can have. But also the fact that, you know, is it really failure in youth sport? Goodness me, we've lost the game. Yeah. So what? We, 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 we've got, you know, and likewise, you know, Is it healthy if a team wins every game by 10 goals every week? Who's, who's benefiting from that? I guarantee you that team won't make it to the, that those players won't make it to the top because there's not appropriate challenge and they're not getting the full sporting experience from it because they're not learning. 
you don't you don't go into professional sport and win every week. So whether or not you think that's a target or not, you're not you're not preparing them for for life as well because we never win all we never win all the time. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's something that's really um, really hard. I, I think for a lot of a lot of people to grasp when they when they when they see that you know and they and they start to wonder, okay, like my kid's failing because we're losing a lot of these games or we're, or we're, um, you know, my kid's really successful and really, really well prepared because we're winning a lot of the games and everything like that. And, and especially I would say in team sports, that's really not, you know, that doesn't translate too much, whether, I mean, winning does not equal whether or not your kid's successful or getting the things that they should be getting out of, out of the sport. Um, I, I'm really interested in, in, in kind of this idea of, um, you know, the, the good communication and the, and the kind of parental education when it comes to like you, the workshops you've been mentioning and, and working with the parents and, and kind of getting them to just kind of think about their actions and think about the impact that, that they may be having. Um, what, what, what do you think the role of parental education is from like a, like a club standpoint, like how, how much of that should be going on? Um, what should that kind of cover for the parents and, and, you know, how, um, just how do you see that process of, of educating the parents through the sporting process going? Yeah, I, th- a lot. I think, I think the key for me, and the, there's lots of things, and it's funny even in dialogue listening to it, but, you know, I think, you know, when we talk about parental engagement programs, which we run, uh, you know, let's just sort of strip this right back. You know, you used, let you say you use parental education, which is absolutely right. It is education. Mm. But again, are we going to have a lot of success when we say, oh, hello, parents, I'm going to educate you? Not, I'm not sure adults, you know, yeah. like that. So I think what we've got to try and do is sort of break down some of these barriers. Now, the parents meeting that we run as coaches is should be very much based around our logistics season, what it's going to look like, what we're trying to do, the different bits you would expect to see in a, a standard parents meeting. But I think alongside that, there should be elements of workshops that help provide support at the different stages of the journey, obviously age and development um, appropriate and bringing in some of those wider topics, some of those things that, that we've talked about to sit alongside what is already going on, you know, within clubs. And I think you've got to a bit like a school curriculum. You're looking to add little layers to it as you go. You know, you're not sitting them down for three hours and and doing it. You're you're adding little slots of half an hour, maybe when they're trying 40 minutes, or let's talk about car journey after competition, or let's talk about, you know, how do we prepare for competition? Let's talk about, go, what do we do if our kid's struggling? How do we help them build confidence? You know, how do we manage the the car journey home you know what what are we going to do when things go up and down do i can't you know comparisons with other children we need to understand why comparisons aren't a good idea but all that i mean i i you know barely scratched the surface here and if you're not involved in sport or sports science or sports coaching or being involved in it a lot of those things you, you won't even have thought about and that isn't a criticism of anybody it, 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 you just won't have done, just like I haven't thought about how you build a house. 
I wouldn't have a clue where to start with anything like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what, what, what the first bit of it is. So I think what you've got to do is you, you've got to do the piece around the organization, creating the culture, you know, what does a positive parent culture look like? You've then got to support your coaches on building those positive relationships. Then you've got to provide opportunities alongside the sporting program to give more support to parents, either through website, uh, workshops, webinars, but even in the use of your social media, you know, using it to keep the conversation open, use other sources. So it doesn't look like you're picking on a particular individual within your club. Use other people who have written articles on topics that help you feel will help people and say, oh, I came across this, have a look at this. It may help you with your kid and try and keep that as part of your, you know, monthly newsletters or, or weekly social media communication. Just have them dotted in that, that, that parents are involved as well. And we're trying to support them alongside their, their kid. Obviously the kids come first and that should take up the vast majority of the time before people think this needs to take up every hour that God sends. It doesn't, but you know, the, the, it, it should be there in the, in the back of your mind. Well, I, I think you just mentioned one set, sentence that got me interested again. You, you said basically that, um, that hello parents, I'm going to educate you now for three hours. And probably, um, this makes you think about that, um, how much education should be taking place from the coach's side versus the club side versus also the parent side by themselves. How much responsibility is it for the parents to educate them, educate them by themselves. But anyway, I still would like to touch on another area um, because this is something I find very well. There are some funny video clips about it, but in reality, it's not funny. It's the behavior during games. So basically the spectator behavior. So you know, all those clips where the parents act like crazy fans and all these kind of things. It looks super funny on the video, but in the reality, it's not because it makes it, I think it can make the kids feel ashamed. So if you would give advice to parents, what should be your role during the game of your children or during the sport event? Yeah, you see, this is a, a a fascinating one, Rick. Because is yeah. it all is it all the responsibility of the parent? No, not yeah. all. No, I don't, I don't, but but yeah. it's, but it's a fascinating yeah. piece because I do this in coach workshops and put on an odd clip of an environment which was testosterone fueled, really yeah. aggressive. Everybody shouting and whatever else. If you walked into that as a new parent. If you look at the fact that everybody tries to conform to the environment that they find, you're going to join in with everybody else. Mm. Not everybody, but you will join into the environment you find. You, look, you never have somebody yelling, you know, singing, you'll never walk alone on match point at Wimbledon. <laughs> you know, you, ne you, 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 you never have anybody shouting out over a six foot golf putt and starting to shout, shout football songs. Well, why? Because that's the... <laughs> That's the environment that we've created in golf. And that's the environment we've created when people are serving in tennis. So I, th I think, again, it's this whole joined up approach about what does it look like in our club? I think coaches have a key part to play in this. Now, I hope coaches aren't going to sort of banish me for this. The, the, I think there's a couple of things here. Coaches are there to coach. No issue with that at all. But when we look at really good coaching as well, I haven't read anywhere 
around the world that good coaching involves joysticking players around a field with multiple instructions every 10 seconds. And I haven't read anything on good coaching where the abuse of officials or abuse of the opposition would be deemed as good coaching. Now, if we take that away as a coach, we're stood on the side, we're encouraging our uh, players, we're really positive with them, we are giving feedback at the appropriate time, we are calm, we are reflective, it's positive, we're encouraging, parents can see that we care as well. Then I think then that means we can demand more from the people who are watching and the explanations about why we're not yelling multiple instructions, because we want children to develop their own decision-making skills. This is a really key part, both as a human and as an athlete, and we need them to do that. That's why I'm not yelling all the time. Do I care? Yes, I massively care. But that doesn't mean that in the youth sports space, I'm going to start shouting at officials and shouting at the opposition. That's not appropriate. That's what we see on the TV again in the professional game. That doesn't mean we have to bring it into the into the youth sports space. So I think that uh, clubs, coaches have got a, a, a real responsibility in their own role modelling. But I think that, that parents um, need that support on what does that look like. And for me, it's about having positive body language. It's not when the kids have done something wrong, looking down at the floor, throwing the hat down or turning the back on the kid. Because actually, lots of the times when you talk to the children, they can't even hear sometimes what people are yelling. They just hear noise, but they can certainly see visible um, reactions of, of of parents when they look over. But actually, you know, the parents are there to enjoy watching the kid because another side of this self-organisation and taking responsibility is we don't want children looking over to the parents either mm. during a sports yeah. game. You know, what, what, what are we looking over there for? Yeah, we give them a quick thumbs up or whatever, but but we're not, we shouldn't be seeking approval, you know, from the field of play. And I think that comes where we've maybe just overstepped our role um, around the sporting experience. Um, and I think it is just based around <clears throat> you're there to watch, you're there to enjoy it, you're there to be positive as much as you can with everything that's going on. And you have a responsibility for your child for that and every other child who's playing because we just know that's a better sports environment. And you can still achieve massive success with those environments. You know, let's be really clear here before somebody tunes in and says, oh, no, it'll never work. You can achieve massive amounts. And, you know, as I say, I've coached national championship winning sides and the environments were, were well organized, well thought out, well run. And there was certainly not the yelling and the the chaos that you can often see in that in that youth sports space. So it can be done. But, but it requires consistency from the club as well, doesn't it? It requires consistency from coaches because otherwise all we then parents are getting are confused messages because it's like, well, why is he doing that there? Why have they got that going on on that pitch next to us? Why that's happening there and we're doing this? It, it's got to be more thought out and a concerted effort to change it because everything we've tried so far hasn't worked. Otherwise, I haven't got a, a, a business to run. You and I aren't having this chat. 
So we, we've got to come up with something new. We've, we've got to make it, we've got to dig a bit deeper and, and make it more important, but important for the right reasons, not to stunt fun, not to stunt the enjoyment of sport. I still love watching sport. I still have massive cheers under my coat, you know, when, when my kid scores or it goes well. It's not about taking that out of it. It's just about making sure that we understand, you know, what it is that, that, that we're trying to do for the good of our kid. I think that's the key. I think that's the absolute key to this. Not for the good of the club or the coach, for the good of the kid. Because if we get parents understanding that, parents will do anything if they think it's in the best interests of their children. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's something that one thing um, we, we've kind of highlighted a lot in this in this episode is, is parents do the best for their kids. And then sometimes, you know, with, without the... Um, engagement and without the support and everything that that can be a little bit misguided but I have, I have one more question before before we ask the final question here but um, you know we you mentioned it once or twice so far but this idea of what happens when when things escalate what happens when there's a problem when there's some conflict so how can we as coaches handle those situations when when the parents do get a little bit heated or, or a little bit um, acting inappropriate whether that's during a game or or um, there's some disagreement maybe at a practice or in an email chain or anything. How how do we approach that situation and, and get everyone moving into like a, a positive direction? I think we've got to be proactive with that. I think it, for me, it forms part of the coach education piece again. I think, you know, you read people like Steve Peters' book, The Chimp Paradox and understanding, you know, and managing the chimp and human emotions and, and little elements of conflict resolution and you know, providing space, having conversations at the appropriate time when people have calmed down, uh, giving ourselves space. But it's a two-way thing that, you know, we talk to parents about not sending the late-night drunk email or the late-night text and then regretting it the next day. Likewise, there's no point coaches defending the ground in front of other parents and the children of the people that you're having the disagreement with. I think we've got to be really clear about if this happens – this is what we're looking to try and do and this will be my role in it and this is what we would like from you. Uh, and I think we we do that as part of a sort of dealing with a disagreement um, policy uh, as part of what we have in a, in a club. Uh, again, for the reasons that, you know, I'm saying there, it's not about, oh, well, this is because we're telling you what to do. This is because we actually don't want this to be a major issue and cause problem for your child and other parent, other team members and other members of the club. Let's have a proper conversation when, you know, away from everybody else and then find a resolution where everybody can move forward. Because the reality is even working with parents, you know, you can still get to the end of a really healthy conversation and you still disagree with each other. But you found a way of giving them the opportunity to express how they saw it from their perspective. You'll get the opportunity to say how you see it. You may disagree with each other, but hopefully if you've if you've gone through that process, people will then, it's like, right, how do we move this forward? How do we all move up forward and, and on from here? But, you know, these are just principles of... Um, yeah, these are just principles of of good conversations and and conflict resolution, isn't it? The trouble is, we do all the wrong things under the under the heat of sport again that we probably wouldn't do in in other environments. So again, I, I think it's a massive awareness piece for me and being proactive. Yeah, and I, I I'm guilty of 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 reacting and, and and having those conversations like right away, kind of thing, at, whether it's at a game or at a practice or or any kind of. 
um, environment where you just kind of react and fall into that conversation right away when it would be better to, to take a step back and, and create an appropriate setting and, and have that conversation when the maybe the emotions are a little bit lower and everything like that. But um, yeah, I think it's it's conflict management is, is, is something and conflict resolution is something that is a, is a really valuable school uh, skill for anybody in, in communication, but then also just when coaching as well, because that's something that, you know, with with sports, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of yeah. a lot of energy and, and it comes up all the time. So um, I think that's an important thing to, to look at. So, um, you know, we we have one final question for you here at the, at the end of the episode. We ask this of all of our guests, but it's just if you have any kind of final thoughts or, or final pieces of advice for, for young coaches or new coaches or, or any coaches out there um, when it comes to interacting and engaging parents or, or anything else that we talked about today. Yeah, look, I, th- I think the, um, the important thing is to see them as allies, not enemies. I think you've got to understand their role and what they bring to the sporting experience and that, that you know, if they didn't commit that time, that cost and everything else, there's nobody to coach. And I think once you establish that in your mind, well, how can I build positive relationships with them? I think you've got to try and inform yourself. I think you've got to go and find, well, you know, how do I have these dialogues? What does a good communication policy look like? How do I run parents' meetings? What's my match day environment going to look like? How am I going to model that on the side? What are my values? What am I expecting? What do I want to see from others? What what will I do on a regular basis? But, you know, we've talked about even just in that last 30 seconds, how many of those are in coach education? Mm. No, you know where to really. you know, well yeah the the sum but do you know what i mean yeah. we're, we're we're talking and, and i think that go and find out go and support so it's a it's a it's a really key part of it and so many coaches and teachers often cite parents as their worst part of the experience and that you know we're losing coaches oh, i couldn't cope with the parents anymore well god what a nightmare we don't want to be losing people from sport whether it be kids or coaches so you know we've got to find better solutions together and do it together because everybody's got a role to play yeah yeah i think that's a a great final thought so gordon thanks thanks a lot for joining us today it was was a pleasure to get to chat with you and and chat a little bit about the about parents and, and working with them in sport so everyone go check out um Gordon's website out. Gordon, I'll let you plug that really quick if you want and, and where people can find you. Yeah, so it's www.parentsinsport.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well, at WWPIS. be great to hear from anybody. If we can help in any way, then please just get in touch via the website. Yeah, lots of great resources. So, Gordon, thank you very much, and uh, have, a, have a nice rest of your day, and, and enjoy the, the rest of the winter here. Yeah, thank you. So one more time, big thanks to Gordon for taking time and joining us here today. As we said in the introduction that this is a very crucial topic and um, we are very happy that we finally spoke about this because I think uh, we had this on our list for quite a while. Um, And maybe, let's see, maybe we'll pick it up in the future because I just felt that we just scratched the surface and I hope that everyone who has been listening got some practical ideas to enhance the relationship building process with the parents and working with them based on the episode we had with Gordon today and um, the first 
takeaway for myself here today is actually that Gordon mentioned it towards um, not directly in the beginning, but um, it was still in the beginning of our conversation that usually when we look um, at the media, we always look at the worst case scenario when we work with parents. So all the time when there's something on social media, um, it's always something negative. I remember you sending me a tweet about, and I think that's the same tweet Gordon spoke about, um, crazy parents at the rugby game. I don't remember the age group um, really going crazy and running on the rugby pitch and um, yelling around. And um, this was this was a really crazy video. So I think this is a good example of that. Very often we highlight the worst case scenarios actually of parents behavior. But on the other side, we also should keep in mind that as Gordon mentioned as well, that more than 80% during games or during practice or in general, display really, really positive behavior and towards the coach and are very interested in the development of their child. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the crucial things that we, we touched on today is that a lot of the times, you like, like you said and like Gordon said in the episode, parents are seen as a bad thing. You don't want to have to deal with parents. And I think, you know, twisting that to, well, parents have the biggest impact on the kids that we coach. So how do we positively engage parents into the process for their child? Because they ultimately care the most about their child. They care what's going on in their child's life. They care about the experiences their child are having and everything like that. So how do we get them involved in a positive way? And I think there's a lot of good things. Like, for example, the, the thing he mentioned towards the end of the, the kind of bingo. Like, hey, look, at, look for this stuff in the game with your kid. You know, this is what we're focusing on in practice. So we, we hope he's translating it to the game. So, so look for these things and look for your, your son or daughter to, to pick up on those things and use them in the game. And I think that really involves the parents in the process. And it, it also helps the parents buy in a little bit more, I think. You know, they're, they, they're being told, they're being uh, um, invited into the process. And yeah, sorry, sometimes English is hard. But I think, I think that's a really interesting tool and, and something, like I said in the episode, I'm definitely going to take and, and try to use in my own my own team but I, I think that's just a, one of the biggest overall messages from today is like you may have one or two parents that are kind of misguided or 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 have a different view than you do or anything like that but you know don't let that ruin your idea of parents you know like parents are a positive influence and they can be a positive influence if we involve them in the correct ways and in, in positive ways one thing that I really took away um, from today's conversation is we were talking about, you know, how do we how do we help take the pressure off of kids, right? And, and how do we how do we help parents take the pressure off their kids as well? And, and one thing overall that I think, you know, you and I, Rick, might know this kind of naturally, but it, it, it's like Gordon said, it's news to parents sometimes that their, their actions can have that kind of influence on their on their kids. So, you know, Gordon said that children naturally want to to please their parents they want to naturally please their coaches but that takes a lot out of them so the last thing they want to do afterwards is is try to explain that you know and it's emotionally draining mentally draining physically draining when you're talking about sports as well so the last thing they want to do is is maybe talk about that some kids might for sure they might bring that up and they might want to talk about their game but i think the important thing that i took away from this is let the kid lead the conversation let the kid talk about what they want to talk about with the aspects of the game that they want to talk about and if they want to talk about the video games they're going to play when they get home or they want to talk about something that happened at school that day or that week or something like that then let that be the process as well because i think 
really letting the kids have the ownership of that um, car ride home or the breakdown afterwards or whatever is really beneficial for them. And um, you ran a great lecture on this topic uh, earlier or last week. And then one of the parent, uh, one of the kids said that their parents, sorry, the kids, one of the students um, said in that conversation that their their dad really helped them start to reflect on the game because they asked them good questions, you know, and and the kid, the dad wasn't pressuring them into certain answers, wasn't pressuring them into, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? But helped him kind of start that building that skill of reflecting like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And 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 the, the student was really reflecting back on that experience on those car ride homes and that impact that he had on them. So I think that that was that was a really interesting takeaway from today's conversation. Yeah, and I think also that ties into the actually the experience of the student ties into the comments from Gordon today because he said that if we ask questions on the car ride home, they should help kids to reflect on their experience. And the father of the student exactly did this and he said, hey, hey, this is exactly the reason why some things happened in a certain way. And this just shows that how crucial it is to, as you said as well, that we really let give the kids the freedom that they can reflect on their experience and not that it's, it's told that, hey, in this situation, you did this bad. This was horrible. You have zero motivation. Um, you're not, and for example, in hockey, you don't play any passes. You can't shoot, all these kind of things. It won't help. Maybe you can ask about their experience hey why did you shoot in this situation why did you pass the puck here um just to get their insights and their perspective it it's the same than coaching on the bench or when you run video sessions that ask what the player saw and don't just tell um i think that we have been highlighting this a lot but still it's so essential and i think also another point that ties into here because gordon mentioned that basically that um and this is unfortunately true that <laughs> When we, for example, have children, obviously we, we cannot really reflect on this because I'm just 24, you're 23, so then we, so we don't have children yet. But based on this experience that um, our natural reflection is to protect our children to, to make them feel actually better if they, for example, ha had a bad experience or if, if they had, for example, if, if, they, if they have experienced failure. And the thing that Gordon mentioned, what I really liked is because parents, they say all the time, but they want to, they want their children to enter sports so they actually can develop, develop grit, a positive mindset, learning attitude, um, life skills, all these kind of things, decision-making, the ability to solve problems, all these kind of things they hope from sports. And then when they, for example, in the car ride home, they, with their comments, and the conversations they have, they discourage this behavior after certain failure. So I think this is a very smart advice from Gordon. Hey, you actually want your children to develop skill ABC. So you need to turn the conversation around. So in the car or at home or in general, so your child has the opportunity to develop skill ABC. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and that's why I really like the point, like the, the parent engagement rather than parent education, right? Because a lot of the times, like I said, at the beginning of the outro, parents don't even realize the impact they're having on the kids. They've never thought about it like that, you know, and, and you and I are, are, you know, 
educated and, and coaching and and now we we think that's kind of common sense like everything that we do has an impact on the kids right but but it's really natural i think that you don't think like that you just think mm-hmm. that you're doing what's best for the kid and and i think the idea of parental uh parent i almost said it again but parental engagement versus education it's getting them engaged in the process again like making sure that they're involved in a positive way giving them little tidbits of information, you know, 30-minute sessions here, 30-minute sessions there, sending out an article in a, in a weekly or n- monthly newsletter or something like that, you know, giving parents a little bit to think about at a time and building their, their skills as, you know, hockey parents or soccer parents or anything like that and, and really getting them engaged in the process and bought into the process. I think that's important. And one message I want to send here, again, because Gordon, Gordon mentioned it in the episode, but we shouldn't be making kids seek approval while they're on the playing field. I, I think that's mm-hmm. so important, right? Like, and, and, you know, parents, of course, we need to get them engaged and get them thinking like, hey, we want the, we want the players to, to play the game. They just want to play. Let them play. Let them show what they've learned and everything like that. But even as coaches, you know, think about it as coaches. And I think we've talked about it before, I think, on this podcast, and we talked about it a lot in school recently, but, you know, the idea that a coach doesn't care because they're not loud on the bench or they're not loud on the sideline or something like that is so um, backwards in my mind. You know, it's like I I care about my players developing those problem-solving skills. I'm not going to solve their problems for them. I'm not going to make them seek my approval every time they make a pass or every time they skate past a defender or miss the net with a shot and look at me and, and see if I like that try or something like that. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. so like different to me I think and and so like weird and I don't know it's it's something that I think is really really important to not make kids seek approval for their actions on the playing field and that's something that I think a lot of coaches and a lot of parents don't really recognize what they're doing yeah I think it goes both ways right that also sometimes it goes a bit from the coach's side that we seek the actually their approval and something else Gordon mentioned i think that's that's a very important point i think this is something we as coaches that we can take to our heart and i implemented actually right away yesterday when we recorded the episode is that acknowledge the parent is a good start because in my experience now that our gm this year general manager has changed the third time um i think we will go into these things more deep when we have our reflection at the end of the um year but Anyway, the third time our GM uh, changed, so we just have a new GM. And then when I saw him yesterday at the ring, I just said, hey, thanks a lot for taking the job as a GM because I know you also have a personal job and it takes a lot of time and this takes a lot of time on this also on, on top. So I think this is, is not, not just a strategy, but this is just showing humility and also showing that, hey, as a coach, you're not, you're not like hierarchically on the top or something, you know? Of course, you want to develop these relationships and all these things, but your job is coaching and maybe the job of the parent is working in a business or an industry, but it's still, it's still a job. And so, so it's, it's the same basically. So it's again, showing this humanistic aspect and humility. So I think this is just, just really, really important with the parents as well. And the last point I would like to mention, I think this is very, very important. I think also this reminds me of the rule. Um, we had Pertu Kuttohonka on our podcast, who is a floorball 
uh, coach here in Finland at TPS Turku, uh, the floorball organization. And he said that they have a rule in their club that shouting is not allowed from the coaches. And um, I really liked how Gordon phrased this as well, that from a spectator behavior, we do not have to bring shouting in to youth sport events. And the reason for this is because 100% this can make kids feel uncomfortable when their parent is not displaying a behavior that is supportive towards their development and towards their team. So I think this is a very important message Gordon spread. Yeah. Spreading. And, and not just parents too. Like I think it makes yeah. kids uncomfortable too when the, the coaches are shouting and the yeah, coaches course. are embarrassing them. And, and I think that that's why, you know, that's why the message that Gordon had that we can't, we can't expect good spectator behavior from the parents if we don't set that good example as coaches. And I think that's so crucial. Like we can't expect the parents to act differently than how we're acting on the bench or on the sideline or anything like that. And I think that's crucial. Set that good example as a coach and, and, and then you can demand more out of the parents and demand more out of the spectators. But you're right. Like I, I think everyone who's made it to this point, thank the parents on your team now. Uh, send a quick email and say, hey, thanks for bringing your, your son and daughter or your athlete to, to practices and thank you for taking the time out and just being a, a, a good sports parent. But um, I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up for today's conversation with Gordon McClelland, uh, the founder of Working With Parents in Sport. So one more time, thank you to him. Uh, everyone go check out our conference. You can register now on our website. Uh, it's coming up in December in just, uh, just under six weeks now, I think. So until the first day. So we're looking forward today, to Today, from today on six weeks. Yeah, but when this is released, it's a little under six weeks. So, yeah, um, but anyway, thanks again to Gordon. Uh, thanks again to everybody that's listened up to this point. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.